Amen. Well, it's good to see Teresa Ferguson back from uh, college. <laughs> Teresa's down at Shawnee Baptist College down there in Louisville. And, of course, uh, Louisville got beat just the other night in college hoops. I'm not talking about Ohio State. We're talking about Louisville. At least there wasn't rioting in the streets. I heard there was in Kentucky. Should have been in Ohio. <laughs> After the way they turned over that second half to those boys. I'll tell you what, we, oh, whatever, I don't even get started on that game. Woo! That's enough to, I don't know, get me in. I'm almost like in the flesh thinking about it. Woo! All right, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. Glad to see you, Teresa. She's doing great down there. I'm excited about that. <coughs> Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. Friday night, don't forget, big program. It's going to be on, 7 o'clock, right here, right now, right here, right now. Don't act like you haven't heard that. Right? Isn't that on like all them sports channels or something? That's right. It's going to be on right here, right now. That's right. Okay. Proverbs 18, verse 24. <clears throat> you may not have heard it. I don't know. I was actually over at Larry Green's house listening to some music he's listening to. <clears> That's <throat> probably where I heard it. <laughs> it was probably that nerd, nerd Olympics or something you guys had. Well, maybe I heard it then, huh? How'd that turn out? Pretty good, guys? Yeah, yeah. I heard there was some pretty interesting characters showed up for that last night. <laughs> yeah, huh? <clears throat> See, what was it? The one thing I heard, uh, my son was telling me that um, he, he, he had this nerd costume on and all the guys got together and, they, him, and Mr. Hamilton was his uh, leader and they went into, what was the store you guys went into? No, not that one. The one where you're looking for the contact lens. They went into Giant Eagle, right there in the opening of Giant Eagle. And, of course, they are dressed up like nerds, you know, looking really kind of strange. And so Caleb had these big glasses on, I heard, and he was all dressed up. I saw his costume from a picture. I, he didn't, I didn't get a chance to see him before it went, but he had these big glasses on. And he, he was ro- crawling around on the floor yelling, trying to find a contact lens. <laughs> and people were walking in, and they're like, what, what's wrong? I'm looking for my contact lens. I can't find it. He's got these big glasses on. And he's feeling all over the floor. And then after three minutes, you had to do this for three minutes. And then after three minutes, Mr. Hamilton says, it's been three minutes, let's go. And they jump up and run out the door as people are looking for the contact lens. <clears throat> that activity sounds fun. Now, I don't know if I'd have want to been on it, to be honest with you. I'm not like that. I'm kind of funny like that. Now, if I could have had a, you know, some kind of mask on or something. Nobody know who I was, and maybe so, but I don't know. They, I guess they went into Taco Bell, and they had to do something where they have to, like, lay on the ground, and, and what? You have to, oh, you have to what? Oh, you got to be like a piece of bacon, and what do you say? What do you say? Sizzle, sizzle, pop, pop, I'm a ba- piece of bacon. And, and then you got you to gotta flop around on the floor. And then halfway in, somebody yells and goes, 
you're getting burnt, turn over, and you flip over and you do it the other way. I think Mr. Hamlin said his team went on into the Taco Bell down here. They started doing it, and the manager ran out and said, Nope, nope, you're not doing that in here. You're not doing that in here. We got a feeling that there had been a few other groups there earlier. <clears throat> and somebody, okay, listen, before you start going, Oh, that is, un- I can't believe that we would do that and support something like that. Well, we could have just given them a couple bottles of rum and had them go out there and party. You know, we could have given them a nice car, you know, a big weapon to to get drunk in and drive down the street and kill somebody. Take some drugs. You know what I'm saying? Hey, listen, that's the kind of stuff that makes memories for a lifetime. Doesn't hurt anybody. Doesn't hurt anybody. And you say, what about the testimony of this church? I'm sure nobody passed a track out when they got told to get out of the... (laughs) We're safe. We're safe. You did pass out a track, huh? Well, at least when they show up, they'll still see the same people that they met down there. (laughs) Some of you don't look much different from your costumes. But anyway, all right, Proverbs 18, Proverbs 18, verse 24. If you think we're having too much fun in church, well, then we are. You ought to have fun. Proverbs 18, 24. Here we go. The Bible says, A man that hath friends must shew himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. A man that hath friends must shew himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Some years ago, when I was just a little kid, I had a couple of good friends. I, I remember Mark Bostic. He was one of my great friends. and He and I would play football together all the time. I'd go down to his house. I'd ride my bicycle down there, and, and uh, he lived down on Stahl, and I lived up on Pauline. And, and we'd get together and hang out, and we would we'd play ball all the time. We both enjoyed sports, that kind of thing. My best friend. And uh, we got along and did a lot of things together. And I remember I, he, was the, he and his family took me to uh, what was then called uh, Vaqueros at the time. It was the first time I'd ever been there in my life. And uh, they took me down there. It used to be right down here, uh, down the street a little further than it is now. It's called Lembo's now, but it was Vaqueros then, and it was down the street. And I remember getting pepperoni pizza, and it was the best thing ever. And I still remember him. Uh, that pepperoni pizza there was so good. And I remember him still. He got those pepperonis. He'd roll them across the, the table, you know. And, and it was like, what are you wasting those pepperonis for? I'd pick them up and eat them off the table. But uh, he was rolling them, and one of them rolled off and rolled down the floor. And I couldn't believe he was getting away with that without his parents, you know, like, you know, correcting him. Uh, I know I'd never get away with that, but I thought that was the funnest thing in the world. I was out with Mark Bostick, my best buddy in the world. We was out with his family, and he was having a great time, going crazy, rolling, you know, uh, pepperonis down the, the, the aisle. You know, it was unbelievable, you know. Best friend. It wasn't long, though, before Mark found another buddy. There was these two fellas, uh, 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 Randy and, and Tony. And Randy and Tony were good buddies. They were best friends. And Mark and I were best friends. And uh, why wouldn't we be? My name is Mark. His is Mark. You know. But anyway, we were best friends. And all of a sudden, it seemed like Tony and Randy <clears throat> kind of didn't get along as good anymore. And Mark and Randy started hanging out together. And so I thought, well, I got ditched. So, Randy, what are you up to? So we became friends. So now all of a sudden it was me and Randy now. And then as I got a little older, there was a fellow by the name of John that I hung out with quite a bit, lived down the street from me. What I'm saying is that all four is this. It seems like friends change through the years a lot of times. 
especially when you're younger. You think, man, this is the, my friend for life. We're never going to, it'll always be the same. We'll always be bosom buddies, that kind of thing. But you know what? Things kind of change. Friends kind of come and go through life many times. It's very rare that you find a friend that's a true friend and sticks with you through life. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24, it says, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. A British publication once offered a prize for the best definition of a friend. Among the thousands of answers received were the following. Quote, One who multiplies joys, divides grief, and whose honesty is invaluable. That one didn't win. One who understands our silence. Another one was a volume of sympathy bound in cloth. Some of these are kind of interesting to me. They're above my head. I think they're above me. And then there's another one that said, A watch that beats true for all time and never runs down. And the winning definition, the prize was given to the one who said, A friend is the one who comes in when the whole world has gone out. And that's pretty good, isn't it? Proverbs 19.6 says, Many will entreat the favor of the prince, and every man is a friend to him that giveth gifts. It's not hard to find those who will be by your side when all is well, is it? But a friend in need is a friend indeed, isn't it? The prodigal understood the truth, didn't he? You know, there he is, talks to his daddy, and he says, Dad, listen, I, I want what I have coming now. I don't want to wait till you die. I don't want to wait till uh, I'm supposed to inherit. I want my inheritance today. I want it right now. Boys, dad said, okay, fine, you can have your inheritance. And so he went off into the far country, the Bible tells us. And while he was there, of course, his bankroll was large, his refrigerator was stocked, and the bills were play, paid and full. I mean, he had plenty that called him friend. But the moment the bills... Bill collector stopped by the house. The moment the gravy train ran out, he found himself all alone, didn't he? There he was, all alone. He knew a little bit about that verse in Proverbs 19, 6. Many will entreat the favor of the prince, and every man is a friend to him that giveth gifts. I read about two men that were out hunting in the northern U.S., Suddenly one yelled to the other, looked up, and, and one yelled, and the other looked up to see a grizzly charging at them. The first got frantic, I mean, just went crazy, but the other sat down and started putting his tennis shoes on. His friend anxiously looked over at him and said, what in the world are you doing? Don't you know you can't outrun a grizzly bear? He said, I know, but I don't have to outrun the grizzly bear, I just have to outrun you. That's about how most friends are, you know. I want you to know tonight that my best friend sticketh closer than a brother. He's not only my best friend in good, but in every situation and every circumstance. And the truth is, is that he doesn't need one thing that I have to offer him tonight. He doesn't need one thing that I have. It's me who benefits every day by him being my friend. Thankfully, he's a true friend, my best friend. And I want to tell you tonight, very quickly, for just a few moments, about my best friend. So let's pray. Father, we come to you. We thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us.
We thank you, Lord, that you are a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Lord, tonight, when we be encouraged in these next few minutes, may you be glorified. Thank you, Father, for the music. The ladies did a fabulous job. The choir stepped up to the plate, hit a home run. We're thankful for that. But Lord, now help us, Father, to truly receive from your table what we need. Father, some may have already eaten dinner tonight. Others are looking forward to it. But tonight, we want to eat from your heavenly table. We want to glean from, Father, your dainties. And so help us, Lord, to be, Father, open to them. And, Father, to truly open wide our mouth and receive what you have for us. Feed us, Lord, even as a bird feeds its little, little, little birdies or whatever you call them, chicks or whatever. Lord, I just love to see that as a mama feeds those little birds. Father, in a sense, I just want to open my mouth and let you fill me today. And Father, may you fill each heart and every life here. Lord, we'll thank you and we'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. What are those called when a little, a little, little bird feeds us? Chicks, is that what they still call them? I thought that's what you call girls when you're young. going to have to get the alarm clock out. When I was in junior church, we all lay down and we go to sleep and then we wake up ready to get, go at it. Do we have to do that tonight? No, we don't. You're wide awake, I can tell. Here we go. Let's talk about my best friend for a moment. My best friend is loyal and trustworthy. He's loyal and trustworthy. He's faithful, if you will. In Psalm chapter 41, verse 9, the Bible says, Yea, mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. The Lord Jesus Christ recalls the, the, uh, uh, the, the, the betrayer, Judas. <clears throat> he understands that in his life he would have a, one that would call himself his friend who would ultimately lift up his heel, that ultimately seek to destroy him and ruin him. Boy, through our lives we have those kind of people that call themselves friends, but when they're desperately needed, they fail to show up. The Lord Jesus Christ, my true friend, He's always available day and night. In the book of John, we read about Christ, our comforter. It says in 14, 18, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Jesus Christ is always there for me. He's always there for me. He's available day and night. When, when my wife cannot be there to comfort me or to strengthen me, when my children are no longer there to gather around me, when oh, it seems that everybody has forsaken me, when it seems like the world itself is against me, Jesus Christ is there for me. He's always available. Not only that, but He won't stab me in the back. He won't take advantage of me. He won't stab me in the back. I never have to worry about that. Man, how many times have you confided in a friend or you've shared something important and they've stabbed you in the back? I'm not talking about you did something worthy of being turned in. Hey, you do something wrong, you sin against God or against man, and you tell a friend, you ought to be thankful for a friend who will turn you in. That's a true friend. I like these friends that come up and say things like, listen, uh, uh, I want to kill myself, but I don't want you to tell my mom and dad. Oh, wow, thanks a lot for telling me that one. I get to live with it the rest of my life now if you kill yourself, and I didn't tell nobody. You let me suffer the rest of my life, and that's supposed to be a friend to you? I thought you loved me, and yet you're going to put that kind of burden on me, young people? Listen, you don't owe that kind of loyalty to a friend. You owe loyalty to a friend to protect that friend when they cry out in need. We stopped teaching and preaching that, by the way. We've acted like somehow our loyalty to a person is bigger than our loyalty to God and humanity. And that's not true at all. Our loyalty is first to the safety of a loved one. 
better be careful with stuff like, well, I owe them my confidence. Yeah, and you'll take to your grave the regret of not sharing the truth and not protecting that friend. I know one thing about my friend. He won't stab me in the back, though. Everybody else may. Somebody may turn on me in a minute. I may think that they're, they're, they may smile at my face, but then when I turn, they may growl and sneer and ultimately stab me as many times as they want. Hey, listen, that's all right. I've got one friend that I can count on. I've got somebody that won't stab me in the back. I've got somebody that's loyal to me. We go ahead and establish relationships with people in the world above Jesus Christ, and we wonder why our life is miserable. Listen, you got a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. you got one that's always available day and night. Won't stab you in the back and will stick up for you and not hear evil of you. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? Hold on a second. I'm going to tell you something. Let me just give you a real lesson here. Come on up here, brother. I'm going to teach you guys something right now. You want to talk about loyalty and friendship? Let's talk about it now. Here it is. You are his friend. Cody's. Watch this. Watch. I'll tell you what. I'm Cody's friend. That's even better. I'm Cody's friend, and you're, you're, you're some guy from school, or you're some guy from church. And you say to me, Cody's a jerk. Tell it to me. Cody is a jerk. You want to know something? You want to know something? Cody's my friend. I ever hear you say anything like that again, I'll, I'll knock your stinking head off. You get away from me. I won't talk to you about it. I'm not even listening to you. Well, there you go. But you know what we'll do? Well, I need to hear them out. Because, you know, they're really disturbed and they need my help and I'm their friend too. Hey, if you were really Cody's friend, you wouldn't listen to that trash. You obviously don't know who Cody is. If I hear you talk like that again, listen, I won't have nothing to do with you. Just get out of my face. I'm not even listening to that trash. Hey, that's called loyalty and friendship. We, we, we peddle a cheap friendship today. You say, wait, where do you get all that? I get that out of the book of Job. When the devil goes accusing Job and he says, oh yeah? Oh yeah? Okay, let's put it to the test, big boy. I'm not going to sit and listen to you run Job down. You'll you'll see. That's the kind of loyalty we need from our our leaders. Somebody goes talking about the pastor. They don't even listen to it. They say, I'm sorry, I'm not listening to that trash. No, I know pastor's character. He's been around long enough to know. I've watched how he's handled things. Listen, give him the benefit of the doubt. Now, you get away. Don't you talk to me about my friend that way. And by the way, husband or wife, I don't understand how you can let other people run your husband or wife down. You call them your friend? Now listen, I'm not talking about... I understand there's nobody perfect and maybe there's something to it. But I'll tell you what, if you'd ever tried to run me or my dad down in front of my grandma, she'd have knocked you off the stage first. Now she can call me any name in the book she wants. But don't let anybody else say anything negative. That's what you call friendship and loyalty. Hey, listen, Jesus doesn't sit up in heaven and listen to you call me names. You better watch it. You want to know something? He ain't going to sit and listen to me do the same thing either. Hey, if you're truly friends, and by the way, we're supposed to be brothers and sisters in Christ. 
What in the world would compel someone that's a brother or sister to run each other down? That makes no sense at all. And I'm going to tell you, i got a friend that got, he's got my back. He has got my back. And I'm okay with it. I like it. Whether anybody does, he does. People may call me their friend. And they'll, they may not act that way, but Jesus, man, I'll tell you what, he's got my back. I'm good with that. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, it says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. He's over there accusing us. She's like, fine, you're going to have to put up or shut up, devil. There he is. Deal with him. Man, I'll tell you what, it puts us in a bad spot sometimes. Job knew who the attacker was. God let him know. He's all right. He knows. He knew where it was coming from. He knew God was permitting it, though. I like that. My best friend's loyal and trustworthy. Number two, my best friend's honest. He's honest. In, in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 6, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. First of all, he's of good character. Well, you know what, young people and adults alike, you ought to have friends that have a good character. Good character. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, the Bible says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He goes on in Titus 1.2 to say, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. God cannot lie. He is of good character. My friend is of good character. The best character. He is honest. He's also one of those people that I can talk to about anything. I can talk to him about anything. Because he's honest, I can be honest with him. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, A friend is a person with whom I may be sincere. Before him I may think aloud. You know, it's an amazing thing to me that, and and I, I believe this with all my heart, I really do. I believe that your wife ought to be your best friend. I believe your husband ought to be your best friend, ma'am. I, I, th- I think we've got a breakdown in our, our society because we think we need other people to be our best friends. There's something wrong with that. Is there any reason why our marriages are falling apart today? When we've got to go outside to meet those kind of needs, God intended that we'd be best of friends. Now listen, first of all, my best friend is Jesus Christ. But then I need that earthly friend that I confide in there. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's going to be some things you're going to share with a husband or a wife that maybe you wouldn't share with just anybody. And that's all right. You need that friend. I want to encourage you to work on your relationship with your husband or wife. If you are not best friends and you cannot talk about anything together, and you don't, you don't talk about everything together. You say, well, I know I could if I wanted. No, you don't, because if you could, you would. You need to. That's the way God intended to be. And fellas, listen, it's a shame maybe if some of our wives were spending more time on Facebook than they spend talking to us in person. That's pretty sad, don't you think? Is it any wonder our relationships are crumbling? I thought you were talking about your friend Jesus Christ. Why do you keep messing with my family? Well, because that's, that's what we need. 
I don't know. I'm just kind of crazy like that. I like to put my nose in where you don't think it belongs. Just kind of shake things up a little bit. Talk about anything. He says pray without ceasing. And that means I can talk and talk and talk. He never gets tired of it. Wives, don't you wish your husbands would let you talk and talk and talk and never get tired of it? Some of you husbands, don't you wish your wives would let you talk and talk and talk? Jesus says, you go ahead, just keep talking. You can tell me anything. Tell me everything. I never grow weary of it. I love it. He's, a, he's the best friend I got. Also, you know what that friend does because they're so honest? They share their honest evaluation with me. He tells me exactly what he believes about me. What he sees in me, what he doesn't. Psalm chapter 119 verse 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In the book of James, he says this, verse 23 through 25, For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straight forth forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty. There it is, right here it is. And continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the, of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. What he's saying is, you can look in a mirror and you see yourself. You walk away, you forget what you saw. He said, this is the mirror you ought to be really looking into. It's law of liberty. This thing will tell you exactly who and what you really are. And you know who this is? Jesus Christ. That's my friend I'm holding right here. I've got him in my hand today. And I've got him in my heart. And every time I get in contact with him, he starts to reveal shortcomings in my life. They say, you know, you're doing good in this area, but you're not doing too good in this area. And you're kind of weak over here, but you're strong over here. And I, I think you need to tighten it up over here. And I think you're getting a little bit too loose over here. And he gives me his honest evaluation. How'd that message go, Lord? You didn't want to ask me that question. Because I'll tell you the truth. Unlike others. You, you understand where I'm going? Hey, a, a, a real friend, my best friend, he'll share his honest opinion of me and his evaluation of me. Number three, not only is my best friend loyal and trustworthy, honest, but my best friend's accepting. He's accepting. In Proverbs seventeen seventeen, a friend loveth at all times and a brother is born for adversity. A friend loveth at all times. My best friend takes me as I am. It's the way I am. See, over in the book of Isaiah, he makes it clear he understands who and what I really am. He says, but we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. In Jeremiah 17, 9, he says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? He says in Romans 3, 23, for all sin and come short of the glory of God. Hey, listen, there's no doubt that my friend knows exactly what I am. And yet he accepts me anyway. He knows all about me, but he still loves me. Isn't that amazing? 
Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus laid down his life for me. He's my best friend. I love my wife, and she's probably the best friend I have on this earth. She's the best friend I've got on this earth, so to speak. But she's not my best friend. He is. She never laid down her life for me. You say, well, yes, she gave you children. No, she didn't. God did and used her to do it. Listen, I'll be much more likely to stay committed to her if I'm committed to my friend. Listen, the moment she starts thinking she has to compete with Jesus Christ in my life is the day she hurts herself. Because the truth is I'm a better man, a better husband, a better father, a better Christian because of him. And everything that I am because of him says that I ought to be the best I should be to her. You understand where I'm going with that? It's Jesus Christ who tells me, don't you dare, don't you dare treat her with disrespect. Don't you dare take her for granted. Don't you dare step outside your wedding vows. Don't you dare. If you love me, you keep my commandments, Jesus says. And for Christ's sake, I do my best to be what he wants me to be. And when I'm what he wants me to be, I'm everything I ought to be to her. We got it all backwards today. We're trying to please men instead of pleasing God. Because you're so, and I'm so bent on pleasing mankind. I neglect the very one who outlines my character and outlines my direction best of all. Not only that, but he gives me the very strength I need to overcome temptation in my life that would cause me to step outside of his will. He knows all about me, but he still loves me. See, you know about me, but you don't know all about me. Now, I appreciate you loving me, and I really do. But if you knew everything Jesus knew, you may not love me. But He does. And if I knew everything about you, I may not love you so much, huh? But He does. And He will, if you'll let Him. He makes me feel totally accepted. You know what? A lot of Christians still struggle with that, don't they? You get saved and maybe you were saved out of a wicked, sinful background. Or maybe you were told your whole life you were a big zero. And Jesus Christ comes along and says, I love you. And you say, there's nothing here to love. How could you love me? Nobody else loves me. Oh, I had mom or a dad or an aunt or an uncle or a grandma or a grandpa who said they loved me. But then I know how they treated me. They didn't really love me. How could you love me? I'm so unworthy of love. Well, I can't tell you how many people feel that way today. I can't even begin to tell you. And therefore, they don't believe that God can love them like that. But I'm here to tell you today that my best friend can be your best friend. And he will make you feel accepted if you'll let him. He'll love on you and wrap his arms around you and he'll come up to you when you're in your deepest, darkest times and he'll say, you are my child. And I love you. Ephesians 1.6, the Bible says, to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the Beloved. 
It was the Berlin Olympics. Jesse Owens seemed sure to win the long jump in the 1936 games. The year before, he had jumped 26 feet, 8 and a quarter inches. A record that would stand for 25 years. As he walked to the long jump pit, a man by the name of Owens saw a tall, blue-eyed, blonde German taking practice steps in the 26-foot range. Practice jumps, I should say, in the 26-foot range. There he was, Owens, the favorite, but on the other side, a blue-eyed, blonde-haired German landing right around where he landed. He felt really nervous, and he was acutely aware of the Nazis' desire to prove the Aryan superiority over the blacks. Again, Hitler thought that he had the super race. Jesse Owens stepped up, and he was determined to show that white people could jump further than blacks and run faster. I want you to know he would lose. That tall German, however, introduced himself. His name was Luz Long. He said, you should be able to qualify with your eyes closed. And for the next few moments, the black son of a sharecropper and the white model of Nazi manhood chatted. Then Long made a suggestion. Since the qualifying distance was only 23 feet, 5 and a half inches, he said, why not make a mark several inches behind the takeoff board and jump from there? Just, just play it safe, Jesse. Owens did, and he qualified easily. In the finals, Owens set an Olympic record and earned the second of four golds. The first person to congratulate him was Luz Long in full view of Adolf Hitler. Owens never again saw Long because Long ended up dying in the World War II. But here's what he said. You could melt down all the medals and cups I have, Owens said later, and they wouldn't be a platting on the 24-carat friendship I felt for Luz Long. Luz had been there when he needed him. Encouraged him when he got nervous. And Owens, as we said, went on to win four gold medals. And prove the Nazi super race wasn't so super after all. Friendship. Totally accepted. Not accepted for color. Not accepted for economic status. Not accepted <clears throat> for any other reason <clears throat> than love. And my friend loves me unconditionally and he accepts me for who and what I am and he'll love you too not only that but finally my best friend is generous he's generous <clears throat> he's generous with his time in Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 through 30 he says come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light in Jeremiah 33 3 he says call unto me and I will answer thee and shew thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not he's generous with his time I'll tell you what it's tough time isn't it time's a tough thing I struggle with that. I have meetings on my agenda every single week now. 
days that I have to meet at certain times or the whole building process stops. Things just stop where they are. I don't like being tied down like that, but that's just reality when you're doing what we're doing. But he always has time for me. He's always a listening ear. He's he's always there. He has the time. And he makes the time. Sometimes I wish I was like God and I could be omnipresent. I wish I could be everywhere at once. So many things I wish I could do that I'd like to do. But I can't do everything and neither can you. My best friend is generous with his time. I remember when I was in the military and it was my 21st birthday. I was excited, but I was also away from home. I was in Germany, uh, thousands of miles away from my family. I was kind of lonely, obviously. I hadn't been there that long. It wasn't just a month before that or so that I'd gotten lost there in Germany. I'd wandered through the streets looking for some things, and I took the wrong train, ended up somewhere I didn't even know where. Couldn't speak the the German too well. I spoke a little bit because I'd taken it in college, but it was a little bit different when you're on... The, in the continent, people were like, you know, they didn't, you know, they didn't really just understand what I was saying. I kept saying the name of the place I was at, and everybody was like, what, 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 you know? Or they'd point, you know, and I'm like, well, that doesn't do me a whole lot of good. I guess I should have known how to read a compass better or something, but nonetheless, I finally found my way back. But here I was, lonely, all by myself in Germany. And I finally met this guy. It was my 21st birthday. I said, man, let's go out, get some dinner, and do something. He said, man, I can't, man. I got, I got guard duty, and I got this, or I got that, or me and this guy. I can't remember what it was. We're, we're, I got guard duty, and then after that, I'm going with this guy. We're going over here to this place. I said, come on, man. It's my 21st birthday. He said, no, I can't, man. I can't. I already told this guy to do it. That broke my heart, man. Oh, you say, well, who cares? I was all by myself in Germany. What do you mean, who cares? I cared. I wanted somebody to spend some time with me, somebody to tell me how great I was turning 21. Man, it's a big day in your life, right? It wasn't such a big day for me. He didn't have time for me. But my best friend does. Not only that, but he's generous with his money. I like that about him. I mean that. I could sit and tell you story after story how God's been generous with his money to me. He's met my need over and over and over again. He says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And I, I have some good friends in this life, but they don't, they don't have the means to help me all the time. But he does. Our offering was $70,000 so far this year. Do you realize that the payments on our two buildings are 96000 you realize we don't even budget those because they don't fit in our budget and never have? We've always used our building fund money to pay for that and then the extra went into the projects. We've always done it that way. It's always been the same. But I'm going to tell you something. I haven't lost one ounce of sleep. I'll promise you that. My best friend's still in control. He's got more money than I even can count. Now, don't, don't misunderstand me. 
I don't know what's going to happen. I don't have a clue where it's going to come from. I really don't. But I'm content to meet out in that parking lot if we have to. I could care less. Because God don't build churches with buildings. He builds them with people. So when we start having Sunday school out in the parking lot of the carousel, (laughs) I'll still be sleeping well. Met in tents before over at the other property. We can do it again. I love it. I talked to Dave Herman the other day. Pastor Herman, excuse me. He said, Preacher, I finally realized something about six months ago. Finally. It isn't our storefront that's causing us to struggle. He said, God doesn't need a building to build a church. I said, Praise the Lord, you are on your way up, brother. You know what? God don't need that carousel. He don't need this building either. He owns everything anyway. If he wants us to have it, it'll be ours. <clears throat> That's all there is to it. I've got a great friend that meets every need in my life. And he is generous with his time. He's generous with his money. He's generous with his effort. I love this one. And, and maybe this one doesn't get you as excited as the money one does. But Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. Do you know what he's saying to me? He's saying, Mark O'Donnell, I'm going to keep investing in you till the day you die. That's what he's saying to me. I'm going to keep investing in you till the day you die. Now that's a friend. Isn't that a friend? But, but what if I mess up and what if I stumble along the way? I'm going to keep investing in you till the very end. What if I get discouraged and things don't go my way? I'm going to keep investing in you till the very end. That one encourages me more than all the other two put together. I'm glad he isn't going to give up on me. When others may turn their back and walk away, I can count on him to stay. His effort. He's generous with his time, his money, his effort. He's just self-sacrificing. Gives of himself continually. He says in Philippians 2, 7 and 8, But made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and made himself in the likeness of, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Made himself of no reputation. You talk about a sacrifice. He was God, creator. He said, I don't, that's fine. I know who and what I am, but also know what He needs down there. I'm going to go, and I'm going to die in His place, and I'm going to rise again so that I can call Him my child. That's a friend. That's a friend. See, my best friend is Jesus Christ. And my best friend is trustworthy and loyal. He is honest and He's accepting and He is generous. Let me ask you tonight one simple question. Who's your best friend? If it's not Jesus Christ. I mean, if you... I'm talking about if it just didn't... My best... Jesus. That quick. 
Who's your best? Jesus. If there was hesitation, I'm telling you, you're cheating yourself. You're cheating yourself. You've never met a friend like him. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. So I got some real good friends here at the church. He's a friend sticketh closer than a brother. Well, I got a wife that loves me like anything. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I'm not going to try to put unnecessary doubt in your mind, but I'm going to tell you something. There are more people, more people's marriages ending after 20 and 30 years than ever before. That makes no sense to me in, in a very practical sense. I know why it's happening. It's a big five-letter word that we've been reading about and talking about on Wednesday nights. W-O-R-L-D, world. There's a friend sticketh closer than a brother. And I just want to make sure that you know who my best friend is tonight. And I want you to know he'll be your best friend too. Father, we come to you. We thank you, Lord, for just the simplicity of your word. There's nothing complicated about it. Father, we certainly realize